This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. As we prepare to go into the word of God, if you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and wave them in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Come on, let's make the devil mad and make Jesus glad. Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. And my life is the better after having heard the word of faith. In Jesus' name and by. His blood, we believe it, we receive it, we decree it, we declare it, and it is so. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Woo-hoo. Ready, go. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One more time. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When is faith? Now. Faith is always now. Faith is always in the present tense. If it is not now, then it's not faith. Let's pray again. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this opportunity to fellowship around your rich word. Father, I'm asking that you would speak a word in season that will change the course of our for real, for real lives for the better forever. Not only, Father, my practices, I decrease so that the greater one on the inside of me can increase. None of me and all of you so that you and you alone will receive the glory, the honor, the praise, the worship, the adoration, and the thanksgiving you so richly deserve. This I ask, this I pray, in the matchless, most holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by his blood. Heavenly Father, anoint me afresh. Anoint me in my spot as I open my mouth to minister to these your people. Cause this good word to fall on good ground and produce a harvest. Give revelation, knowledge, Father God, that we may go forth and produce and be who you have called us to be. Father God, I speak for destiny, destiny, intercessions, and purpose. In the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by his blood. Amen. Amen and amen. Have I forgotten anything? Just dive right into the word of God for today. I won't be before you long, but I'll be before you strong in the name of Jesus. So on last Thursday, on last Thursday, we had a topic and our topic was gift wrapped. Gift wrapped. And we talked about how do you wrap love? In this holiday season, and I know myself wrapping gifts and some of the gifts for the grand loves were 
all misshaped and misformed, and I was trying to figure out a way how to wrap them. I usually don't care about wrapping my shoulders if they are grown, but the grandchildren, I like to wrap their gifts so that they can tear the paper open and have excitement and things like that. And as I was ministering to the Lord and the Lord was ministering to me, the thought came to my mind, well, how do you gift wrap? Love. I want to encourage you to go back to our podcast and listen to that lesson and listen to last Sunday's lesson as well. We came from the first chapter of Luke and we found out the beginning when the angel came and over and ministered to Mary and told her that she would bear the holy child Jesus and she simply said it's an act of faith. In other words, I don't really understand how this is going to happen, but be it unto me according to to your word. So for today, I want to continue the thought, because I told you I would take you a little bit further. I want to continue the thought, but I want to take it just a bit further in this top topic or talk discussion for today is entitled Gift Exchange. Gift Exchange. As you can see, I have some props in front of me, and we'll talk about those things just in just a few moments. But I want you to kind of bear with me a little bit as we walk through this lesson. This Christmas season is, and is such a, a joyous season, such a season of revelation, such a, a season of giving. And even on yesterday with my grandloves all around, it was so amazing and phenomenal to see how excited they were to give. They were so excited to give their gifts to their aunties and uncles, and they were so excited. They had a dialogue and a sentence and an explanation for every gift. They had paid attention to their aunts and their uncles, and, and they were so excited even about the gifts that they gave their parents and their gifts that they gave me. They were so excited to give. It's something about giving that makes you have joy. Minister TJ talked today, and he talked about the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's something about giving that causes us to take joy and to have great strength. So today, I want to kind of walk through some things that I think are interested and interesting that I found in my study of the Word of God concerning the Christmas story. Normally, we look at this nativity scene right here, and this nativity scene, you'll see where everybody is here. You've got Mary and Joseph, you've got the three wise men, you've got the baby Jesus, you've got the lambs, you've got cows and cattle. This looks like a, a barn of some sort. This looks like a wooden, a wooden little, a little manger, a wooden thing. And that's basically how we have engaged the Christmas story. But I kind of want to walk through it a little bit differently to give us a little bit more revelation on how the story literally goes. We know that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are known as synoptic Gospels. They tell, most of, most of those Gospels tell some of the same stories, but from a different Perspective. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are known as the synoptic, synoptic gospels. And we know that the word gospel literally means 
good news. But it was interesting as I was walking through and studying these lessons out in the Synoptic Gospels, I found that Matthew's focus was more on the genealogy. Genealogy. This one begat that one. This one begat that one. And he kind of walked all the way through and he brought it down to 14 generations culminating at the birth of Christ and culminating at how it came to pass. Matthew really focused <clears throat> more so on the prophecies that were fulfilled, the Old Testament prophecies. That's why he walked down through every generation. And he was careful to show how these things lined up and how prophecy was fulfilled. But it was interesting that in Mark, Mark really didn't have any story or any account of the birth of Jesus. Mark kind of picked it up when Jesus was grown. And he kind of picked it up talking about the grown man Jesus, but still talking about the good news from Jesus as an adult. We'll see in Mark chapter 1 verse 9, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth by Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. He jumped all the way to the baptism. Then it says in verse 10, And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens departing and spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. Then a voice from heaven came, saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So John picks it up at the baptism. At the, at the baptism, if you remember, John, John the Baptist was the one who saw Jesus coming. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's an interesting term, the Lamb of God. That's John the Baptist's words. Then over, Matthew, Mark, over in Luke, I really, I love Luke. I love, that's one of my favorite books of the Bible because Luke, we know, is a physician. So Luke came with so many details that some of the other Gospels didn't include. Even he talked about women and he named them and different things like that. So there was so much detail that Luke, the physician, gave that the others in the Synoptic Gospels did not give us. Luke basically did maybe like a chronological uh, account from birth to Jesus' ministry and his life and his death and including his resurrection. And then John, in the book of John, John focuses more so on the divinity of Christ. The divinity. If we go over to John, we'll see in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that Christ is the Word, because the Word became flesh. I believe that's verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Even in that account of scripture, in that same verse, 
verses 29, that's when John talks about, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we go over just another chapter to verse 3, it says, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world, he so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So as we go through all of the synoptic gospels, we'll see a different cut or a different take or a different perspective. But amazingly, or 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 what have you, some of the synoptic gospels didn't even give the account of the birth of Jesus. It went straight to the baptism and the, the induction into ministry. It went straight to the divinity. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. We talked about on Thursday, how do you wrap love? Love was wrapped in flesh, and love was swaddled in lies. And a manger. Let's walk through this a little bit so that we can really get a good revelation of what's going on and how we can put all of this together. Because if we look at the at the first the first um, prop that I have, the first nativity scene, we'll see the wise men, we'll see the shepherds, we'll see Mary and Joseph, we'll see the baby, and we clump it all together with one account. Because they clumped it all together in one account, many of us think that that is exactly what happened at the birth of Christ. But we've got to go back and we've got to walk all the way through to make sure we have a good revelation so that we can understand that there were times and, and there were time frames and there were prophecies and prophecies fulfilled and so many things Happened, but I guess you would have to have three different nativity scenes if you want this to be accurate or three different depictions. So if you see over here, I have two props here. I try to make it to where we can see the different things that happen. I've got Mary and Joseph in the in the cave. Then I've got the angel and the shepherd out in the field, and then I have the wise men or the magi traveling to come worship. As we walk through this, we'll begin to see the very different things that happen and then how to put them together to see how the word confirms the word, confirms the word. So if we go over to Matthew chapter one, it says, I'll just go over to chapter 2 for the sake of time. We know that in chapter 1 it's talking about how um, Joseph, it was revealed to Joseph by means of the angel Gabriel that Mary was to bear the holy child Jesus. So he was not to publicly put her away, but to minister to her and to protect her and to receive this baby, even though they were only patrolled and they had never come together. So, verse, let me go up to verse 
3, in chapter 1, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us, or I like to say it this way, Emmanuel, in man I dwell, or with man I dwell, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took with him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and she called his name Jesus. Chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, and I was like, this, this is a big jump right here. Because when we read in chapter 1, then we go right to chapter 2, we see some things that happen in chapter 2. But let me submit this to you, that something happened in between these scenes. So chapter 1 of Matthew, we see the birth of Jesus, and then something happened in chapter 2. The wise men came from the east. So let me take you over to Luke and then put a marker there because we're going to come back to chapter 1. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we already remember, we go back to the podcast, we already walked through chapter 1. So let's pick up in Luke chapter 2. And I'll begin reading at verse Well, let me, you mind if I take it from the top just so we have a good revelation, a good understanding. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So everybody had to register. There was a census taken. And you had to go back to your native land to register. So verse 4, Joseph went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, which is a confirmation from Matthew chapter 1. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there that the days were completed for her to deliver. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, capital S-O-N, and wrapped him swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? It wasn't because they were broke. It wasn't because they were poor, but because there was no room in the inn. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country, in the same vicinity, in the same regions, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. We went through this one last Thursday. So we know that these shepherds were not just regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill shepherds. These were Levitical shepherds who were on assignment because they were the ones who would help the ewes to birth the sheep and they would examine the sheep to find the ones without spots, blemish, or wrinkle because their responsibility was to get the ones that would be sacrificed as a sacrifice. So they knew they were without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. We learned it on last Thursday because the youths needed assistance when they gave birth. Those Levitical priests were having a watch. They were watching to make sure no predators came, but they were always also watching to see what youths needed to be helped 
to bring forth sacrificial lambs. They had a special place that they would take these lambs that was sterile, a special place where they would have all of these swaddling cloths, and they would have a place within that cave known as a manger that they would take the brand new lamb, wrap it tightly, and then put it in that manger because this one was going to be sacrificed so that it would settle down. We see how the word confirms the word. So we see here that in verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day, this day, this day right here, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Remember, these were Levitical priests. They were Levitical priests, shepherds. So they already understood the prophecies. They were looking for the prophecies to be fulfilled. So when the angel appeared and gave them prophetic words, telling them that all of the prophecy that you have studied is now being fulfilled. And he said, this is what the angel said. I love this. Verse 12, it says, and this will be a sign or a confirmation. This is going to be a confirmation to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone from them into the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The angel gave them a revelation. This has happened on this day. So they said, Guys, let's go. Let's go quickly and see this thing. Verse 7. Now, when they had, uh, verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph <clears throat> and the babe lying in a manger. Here's the deal, guys. How did they know where to go? Of all the places to go, they weren't being led by a star. Remember, the Magi are the wise men. The angels just came to them and told them, this is going to be a confirmation. You're Levitical priests, shepherds. This is what you do every day. This is your job. This is how you serve the Lord. It's by giving a sacrifice and wrapping it tightly and laying it in a manger. So here's a confirmation to you. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. Today, this is what has happened. So when the angels let this here, let's go with haste. To see this great thing that has happened. How did they know where to go? Because this is what they did every single day. Seven days a week. We see how the scripture confirms the scripture. It says then after that verse. Let's go to verse 17. Now I'm going to ask. When they had sick, well, they came to with haste and found Mary and Joseph, this is 16, and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. Why? Can you imagine the shepherds? This is their job, and then this is what they see after the angel and the heavenly host confirm it to them. This is one particular account in Scripture. This is a different account than what we normally see with the nativity scene. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not mad at the nativity scene because they're just trying to get everything in one depiction. But we have to be students of the word of God and we have to go by scripture, not by what we see every day. Are you listening to me? So now let's go back over to, let's go back over to Matthew. Now we're going back over to Matthew. It says in verse 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, after he was born. This is afterwards. And the, uh, the, the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men or magi from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's stop and pause for a minute. We got to learn about Herod. Herod was one of those kings that was intimidated by everybody. He had a, um, a low self-esteem problem. And anybody that threatened his throne, he would just kill them. He didn't kill his children. He didn't kill his wives. He killed his He would kill anybody that threatened his throne. So then here comes this, this great number of distinguished people from the east. Now, we sing songs like, we three kings of Orient. So we think because there were three gifts, there were only three kings. But oftentimes, or many theologians believe that they came in numbers of 12. So can you imagine 12, or, or let's just say for the sake of argument, 3 to 12. Men of notable reputation. I'm sure they had all of their gear on, all of their notable kingly gear, their priestly gear. They all had camels. Then I'm sure they had caravans because they brought all of these prestigious gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They may have even had security with them. Are you listening to me? They may have had security. They may have had servants that was carrying these things. I'm sure there was a great caravan, and any of us that will see this great caravan of distinguished people coming in town with all of these great gifts, we would want to know who these people are. So, verse 3, when, when, king the, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He was troubled because he was worried about a king being born. You mean to tell me they came all the way from the east to worship a king that's going to threaten my throne? And it says all Jerusalem with them. They already knew what kind of king here it was. They were like, oh boy, man, oh man, here, here about to go off again because now he is being threatened because he heard that a king was being born. But his wrong self, he's intimidated by a baby, but they knew how here it was. He had no respect for anybody. And anybody that threatened his throne at all, 
would kill them. So not only was Herod trouble, Herod was trouble for one reason, but the people were troubled for a whole other reason. Then when he had gathered all of the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ, the anointed one, was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophets. Remember, prophecy fulfilled. Matthew was all about prophecy, confirmation, prophecy fulfilled. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Isn't this amazing? Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, now he's like, okay, I need a sidebar with them. Keep your security over here. Keep your caravan and your servants over here. All my people, everybody that's cool and close to me, y'all stand back a little bit. Let me have a, 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 a private audience with these wise men. So he said, then here, when he secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. Okay, so now when did you say, when was the first time that y'all noticed the star? Now how long ago was that? How long? When did you first see it? Because y'all been traveling for a long time. Y'all got all this food that y'all have brought with you. It's clear that y'all have been traveling and you got all these people. They had to be wealthy, you guys. Listen, verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, Bring back word to me that I may come to worship him also. And when the king, and when they heard the king, they departed and they went. The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Do we have a revelation right here? We saw the depiction, Mary and Joseph. Mary came due, she had to have the baby, she wrapped him in his father's clothes, laid him in a manger. That's one scene. The second scene is the angel now coming, the angel of the Lord, which is Gabriel, the messenger of the Lord, came and he talked to the Levitical priest and said, today, prophecy has been fulfilled this day. You, this is going to be a confirmation to you. You'll find a child, wrapped or babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. As soon as the angel they said, let's go, we're going to see. And they came to where, how did they just come? They didn't just come, they knew where to go. So that's two scenes, right? So here it is, the third scene. The wise men have been traveling from the east for a period of at least two years. It took two years to find or to approach where the star was. That was a long journey, a two-year journey. Listen to me. Have you ever been on vacation for two weeks? You know how much clothes you have to take and how much planning you have to do and how many, to leave your home for two weeks? Imagine two years. They knew it was going to be a large, a long journey. They knew it would be years of a journey, and they did this long journey so that they could worship the king of kings, the one that had been wrapped in simple flesh, then wrapped in swaddling clothes, the gift that was exchanged. 
exchange for our sin. The great gift exchange. Let's keep reading. I'm just reading the Bible because the Bible confirms itself as line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. If we do not read the Bible, then we think everything happened all at one time. That everybody showed up on the scene at the at the cave all at the same time, and that is not how it happened. Let's read right here, verse. Let's go back up to verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. See that? Not the baby, the young child, because they saw the star two years ago. So he's no longer a little baby still in the cave lying in a manger. Because remember, it wasn't that Mary and Joseph were poor and broke down and homeless. It was simply because there was no room in the end. Which, let me explain something to you. God left nothing to chance. God confirmed his word over and over and over and over. He confirmed that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Then he confirmed to the Levitical shepherd priest. This is the Messiah. Wrap the same sacrifice that y'all wrap. The, the lambs in it and lamb in the manger to settle them down. You don't see that that's where the Messiah is. Then at the same time, well in the east, God has a star that they travel and follow the star for two years to find a child. Scripture confirms scripture. I'm almost finished for today. Verse 9. When they when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They were so excited to go and bear gifts, to give gifts to the king of kings and the lord of lords. Listen to me, wise men still seek Jesus. To the king. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, what? When they had come into the house, not a stable, not the cave, but into the house, they saw the young child. He was no longer a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, but the star stood over where he was to signal to them, this is the Messiah, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure. They presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, these are expensive, noble gifts. You give people gifts to the degree of importance that they are to you. I'm sure that you don't give your coworker the same gift that you give to um, your mother. You don't give the mailman the same gift that you give to your child. So the gifts are according to the magnitude of who this person is to me. 
Remember, there were wise men that bought three gifts. It didn't say, it never said there were three wise men. It just said the wise men, and it speculated that they traveled in groups of 12. So 12 kings or 12 wise men or 12 magi all bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh to worship the king. It talks about three gifts. It doesn't talk about three people. So let me give you a revelation right here. It says when they had come into the house. So if it was, let's just say, three to twelve wise men. Listen to me. That's a lot of people to come in your house. That signals me that they were not living in a shack. They were not living in a hole in a wall. They were living in quarters that were large enough for themselves, the small child, and 12 grown men to come in and worship. Now, they didn't worship the way we worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They laid prostrate. They fell on their faces. They humbled themselves. They were on their knees. They were not standing up looking around at other people. They fell all out on the floor. They bowed their bodies down to the floor. There was enough room in the house with Mary, her husband Joseph, and the child Jesus for the 12 men to lay prostrate and worship and bring all of this treasure in to them. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the scripture. I'm not giving you the scriptural references. Go ahead and read it for yourself. If you don't read it for yourself, then you will be like me. I grew up all my life thinking that this was all one scene. I thought everything happened in that one scene because I just heard little clips and little pieces of it. And I watched Charlie Brown and this, that, and the other. And I never took the time to go line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little until I was a grown woman. Well, I'm trying to give you a revelation to help you to see how to read the Bible and why it's written the way it's written. If I had time, I would take you over to the latter part of chapter 2 and Luke and talk about the other people that had prayed for this. One of them was Anna, a prophetess. Remember, Luke was the one that had great um, detail. He was detail-oriented. and They didn't really talk about women and their names and stuff like that. And Luke talked about Anna the prophetess, talked about when she got married, talked about she was a widow, and from the time that she was a widow, it's been 86 years. She was married seven years, 86 years. So if she was about 15 when she got married or 14, or this woman was in her hundreds. And she basically lived in the temple because her job, her commission, her role was to pray the will of God in earth, hallelujah, as it is in heaven. She partnered with God to get his will done, to bring the Messiah on the scene, and God honored her that she could behold him and see what she had prayed for. Let me finish out, because y'all look at me funny. Let me finish out. It says in verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. See that? They fell down. They were prostrate in the floor, worshiping him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and 
murmur. A part of their worship was just not mouth, and it just wasn't laying on the floor and crying. But they opened their pockets, they opened their treasures, and they gave gifts as well. Here's the part I want to get back to to pull it all together. Verse 12. Them being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. It wasn't that they lied. The Spirit told them after the fact, don't go back. Because Herod was lying. He wasn't trying to come and worship the king. Verse 13, and when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, and he arose and went. But we'll see if we read down from verse 16 and down. Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, really he was trying to deceive the wise men. But when he found out that they went another way, he was exceedingly angry. We will say he was livid. He began to rage. Remember the people worried about that? Everything that they were worried about began to manifest. Said he was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and he put to death all male children who were in Bethlehem and in all his districts, listen, from two years old and under. Listen to this part. According to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So the wise men had to have told him two years. Jesus had to be at least two years old. Now we went another way and here is so intimidated that another king is going to rise up even if it's a child that he sent and he massacred every child. From age two and under. So if we go back to our cross, this is the first nativity scene, and I grew up thinking this. I grew up believing all of this was one account in scripture. But being a student of the word, because I want to know the word so that I can live the word and I can be an overcomer and I can exchange the gift of goodness and the gift of the gospel with other people, I found out for myself that these were all different accounts in scripture, but they all confirm the same thing. Love wrapped up in God is love. Today, I've enlightened you on this great gift exchange. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that passage of scripture, you could take the word world and put your name on top of it. Had you been the only person on the face of the planet, God would have still done the exact self-same thing for you. Because he exchanged his righteousness for your sin. He gave one son so that he could have a whole bunch of other sons and daughters. I'm talking about the great gift exchange. Did you get anything out of that word? I hope you did. I trust that word 
blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church. We're a family.